Welcome to episode 80 of the Various the Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from our virtual Zoom studio by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who might be staying in the sketchiest neighborhood in Northeast Ohio, John Scott Sloat. Doc, what's happening? Well, um, we are recording virtually because you are on the road. You're a traveling man. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the road at some youth conferences here um, over the next, well, this this last week and then this next week also. But I'll, I'll get to come home for a day or two just uh, in the middle of this week. So yeah, in Akron, Ohio right now. So if you hear some ambient city noise, uh, that's what you're hearing there, listeners. Um, that's not Winona Lake. That's Akron, Ohio. So um <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, I think a fruitful trip uh, thus okay. far. So it's been good. Good. My, uh, the important question is, have you found sufficiently good coffee shops to, uh, to stop at al- along your journeys here? Yeah, I went to a really good one in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but I went to another one uh, here in Akron called the Nervous Dog Cafe, <laughs> and the the emblem is just like one of those like perch or, or excuse me uh, purse poodles, you know, inside a coffee cup, looking horrified of life, you know. So that was a pretty okay. good shop. Yeah, I see. I, I don't suppose you have a guidebook for the uh, coffee shops of Ohio and Pennsylvania. Um, I you know. I don't know if listeners know this or not. I do have a coffee. Sh- I do have a coffee shop guidebook uh, for the world, and it includes cities in the United States. I don't know. I did not check to see if Akron, Ohio, was on or, the list, or Lancaster, Pennsylvania. No, no, I did not check <laughs> Lancaster, Pennsylvania for sure. I'm pretty sure Lancaster's not going to be on there. I see. I see. Well, pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. So if you, as our listeners, want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at VNSPod. You can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page, which I am now responsible for and have completely dropped the ball. But it's on there. <laughs> it's it's on there. It Vari- exists. Yeah. It exists. Yes, Various and Sundry Podcast. And then uh, we do have a YouTube channel as well, Various and Sundry Podcast. You can find us on YouTube And uh, as of uh, Tuesday morning, July 13th at 7.25, we did not have any new reviews or uh, on the Apple podcast app. So, yeah, this is like uh, this is the earliest we've ever recorded. Have you thought about that? Uh, Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm not a morning person, so I suppose it's probably good for our listeners to be uh, informed that the. Uh, quality of of the uh, free programming that they are receiving uh, <laughs> may be questionable. So we'll, yeah, we'll have to. Yeah. This is like our morning drive, you know. Oh, this is like yeah. uh, with with traffic on the nines, or you know, whatever whatever we're gonna do. <laughs> go to Jimmy and the Chopper or something. There you I go. Don't know. I mean, if you want to look out your window and give us the traffic in <laughs> yeah. downtown Akron, you can do that for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do they mean when they say traffic on the nines, or what what, what, what does that mean? Well, I, isn't that just, you know, at, we update the traffic report at 709, 719, 729, 739 is like, is that what that means? So every 10 minutes they're doing traffic. Yeah. Does it change that frequently? I I suppose in larger areas. Yes. Uh, Certainly not in Warsaw, Winona Lake. 
um, <laughs> definitely not, not definitely not here. So, well, John, let's uh, let's look at the world of sports. There's actually a few things to talk about. Yeah, it's been a it's been a fun week, uh, sports wise. Yeah, so the NBA finals are underway. Uh, before this started, I had Suns in six. I can't remember what your prediction was. I think it was just Suns. I don't know if I picked a number of games, but I'll, okay. I'll say five. Okay. Well, the Suns are up on the Bucks 2-1. Game four is, let's see, we're recording on Tuesday. I think it might be. No, it's tomorrow night. It's tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Uh, of course, they have to space these games out. I mean, my goodness. Um, but uh, have you watched any of, the, any of the series so far? So um, I watched... A, a little bit of the first two games, but this most recent game I've been on the road. So I did not have cable where I was staying. So I was, wasn't able to, uh, to see it. So I missed the most recent game, uh, but it's caught some highlights. It looked like Giannis had, uh, had quite a game. He did. And, and the game, the finals are on ABC. So you don't need cable, John. You just, 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 just need a TV. Well, <laughs> you didn't yeah, have yeah. access to TV is what you're saying. Yeah. I, and my Airbnb didn't have a uh, digital antenna. I see. Gotcha. So I, I, I wasn't okay. able to do that. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, Suns still look like they're pretty much in control of that series, even though they lost game three. Um, and let's, let's talk a little major league baseball. We're at the all-star break. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where are our Mets here? J- uh, John Sloat. Uh, Mets are in first place, I believe by four games. So okay. we're, we're, we're dominating the, uh, the the NL East now that's a down year in the NL East and for all purposes the Mets have had a poor offensive year but a great a great pitching year so that that has helped but uh, we had the home run derby last night uh, which I stayed up and watched the whole thing um, uh, our first baseman Pete Alonso uh, I mean just dominated uh, this event and so he he openly talks about it as he wants to participate every year and defend his title. Um, which is kind of fun. And uh, he, uh, I mean, blasted 35 homers in three minutes, three or four minutes in the first round. Uh, And the way they did it last night is you got, I think it was three minutes. And if you hit a ball over 475 feet, you got an extra minute. Um, And so everybody got it because they were playing in Colorado. Right. Um, (laughs) But there were some balls hit over 500 feet. I think 520 was the longest. So, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the good feel story: the guy that came in second was, uh, oh my goodness, Baltimore Orioles uh, man Mancini, maybe Mancini. Uh, he uh, survived cancer last year and wow. uh, and went through chemotherapy. I think as late as October. And mm-hmm. came back to play professional baseball and was in the home run derby and did did really well. Um, did really, really well. So. Okay. And we've got a couple of international uh, sports uh, stories going on here. Uh, Team USA basketball has lost two consecutive games. Yeah. Now, these, these are tune-ups for the Olympics. These are not the actual Olympics, but that's starting up. They lost to Nigeria. A couple nights ago, I didn't, and then, even, I didn't know Nigeria had a team, you know? Well, I mean, this is, this is a team again, this is a while ago, but I think even, even in like 2016, when we, when we played them, we beat them by 40 
like in 2012, we beat them by like 80. So obviously they're improving, but um, it's, it's really inexplicable how, how a team with Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, like, it's not like we, we've, we've scrounged up the bottom of the barrel of the NBA talent pool for the, for the U S so, and it's got Greg Popovich as a coach. It's just a weird dynamic. And then last night they lost to Australia, which Australia is actually a good international team. That's that that's not an awful loss, but when you when you've grown up in the days of the U.S. just wins everything when yeah. it comes to international basketball, it's just a little unsettling. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you watch either of those games? I I did not. No, I I just I saw the score of the Australia game this morning, and then um, I I think. I've only seen really the scores, maybe a brief couple highlights of the Nigeria game, but it just seemed just unsettling. Like, and I think, I mean, I think Nigeria has like one or two kind of bench riding NBA players on their team. <laughs> and they, they beat a team with Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard. And just like, how is that possible? I just don't get it. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's weird. I'm a little nervous for the Olympics coming up now uh, and our basketball. Oh yeah, pr- prowess. You know, absolutely, absolutely. I don't quite know what to do with that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can pull it together. And then um, there were some big international soccer tournaments. Did you follow these at all? Um, I did. I did not follow the uh, Argentina o- over Brazil, uh, but I mean that's a big South American matchup. You know, so that's yep. that's a that's a big deal. Um, I think I the, followed, big, the big I headline followed. there was the was Messi led Argentina to a big international win, which hadn't happened before. So um, I did I did see Italy beat England in London at, at Wembley. Yeah. Um, and that that was a big deal. Um, I saw tons of people making the joke on Twitter that somehow uh, they're going to blame this on Meghan Markle, you know. <laughs> Um, that, uh, <laughs> totally. that some, somehow this is her fault, um, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. You get, you, you do feel a little bit for our, uh, for our English friends. I mean, they, they've not won a major international soccer tournament in a long time and things were looking, I mean, this, as my, as my son, Jake informed me, cause I'm not really knowledgeable in these things. Th- this tournament was essentially set up for England to win. They played most of their games in London at Wembley, and they had the championship game at Wembley in London. Which do you remember? Didn't we have some some students visit Wembley Stadium during I think on the so. mystery trip yeah. on their yeah, free day? Yeah, I think day? we did. Yeah, and so everything was looking like it was lining up for them, and then they scored like two minutes into the game to go up one nothing, and you're like, oh, okay, here it is. The the long national English nightmare is over, and then they lose in PKs, which I'll just reinsert my uh, observation that settling soccer matches with PKs <laughs> is like settling a basketball game with a free throw competition. Yeah. But, um, England always loses in PKs. That, that's the joke. You know, they, they, they will always lose in PKs. They cannot win. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, people that cannot win, let's talk about wow. our main topic for today which is Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll, which I will affectionately refer to this segment as Drisky Business, as an homage <laughs> to our good friends at the Happy Rant podcast here. So 
Uh, John, tell us a little bit about the impetus for talking about Mars Hill Church and Mark Driscoll. Yeah, so uh, Christianity Today just put it, has started putting out a podcast. They're three weeks in. I believe, um, I believe the next episode comes out today, uh, even maybe tomorrow. But uh, it's called "The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill," and it sort of chronicles or explore. It's exploring what happened in that church, and, and it's not it's not a hit job on Driscoll, uh, which it could be. You know, it could be a my goodness, Driscoll's a horrible human being, you know, all these things. But they also explore a lot of the good things uh, that were happening there. Uh, but but if if you were um, if you were in the church reform circle from about 2005 to about 2012, Driscoll's name was, I mean, huge. Everybody was talking about Driscoll. Yeah, that that's definitely fair. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it really is a, an interesting discussion of, of that whole story. And I, I've learned a lot, uh, even through the first few episodes, uh, of things that I didn't know in terms of just sort of the origins of that church and how it came about. Um, and I, I think it's been, it's been helpful for me because, um, from the start, I had a, a pretty, dim view, low view of, uh, of, of Driscoll. And so it has been actually interesting to hear people talk about the good things that, that happened mm-hmm. through that church and through that ministry. But, um, maybe we should just give a summary for our listeners. We maybe shouldn't assume that everyone is familiar with Mark Driscoll and, and Mars Hill church. So why don't, why don't we just kind of give big, you know, sort of like you know, 60,000 foot overview of, of Mars Hill Church and, and Mark Driscoll there. Yeah. So um, he was based in Seattle, Washington. Uh, he planted a church. I, I think it's in a neighborhood called Ballard. Um, but, uh, but he planted a church, I think it was like 98, 99, so somewhere in that ballpark. And uh, his message was specifically geared toward um young men and, and to take responsibility, get a job, get saved, get disciple, get a job, start a family, all, all those things. Um, and he did it in a very aggressive way. Uh, like he spoke very aggressively um, to everybody, but, it's, but especially young men. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, lo- lots of people that do that, it, they'll, it'll drive people away. But for whatever reason with Mark Driscoll, it drew people in. Uh, and that church just exploded in growth. Uh, by the time, I think everything went down in 2013, 2014, ar- around that ballpark. But uh, he had, I think, 12 or 15, no, 15, 15 campuses that were all having him uh, preaching in their church uh, on a Sunday morning by DVD uh, in uh, the Seattle area in Oregon and all the way down to even Southern California. They, I believe they had an orange County campus. Yeah. And, and wasn't he, I I think it was Donald Miller in blue like jazz that referred to him as the cussing pastor. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Mark the cussing pastor. Yeah. Yeah. So there was definitely an edginess to it. Um, I think one of the, one of the best elements of, of the, Mars Hill podcast of this rise and fall of Mars Hills podcast is that they, they do a great job of situating the rise of this church uh, 
within the larger sort of mega church trend. And so they walk it back all the way to um, Robert Schuller and Mm -hmm. the Crystal Cathedral way back in the day. This would have been before your time. Yeah, well before, yeah. But I remember as a as a kid, not regularly, but occasionally seeing on TV, Robert Schuller and the Crystal Cathedral. Um, and, you know, one of the early kind of mega churches where he had kind of taken um, Norman Vincent Peale's kind of positive thinking, self-esteem, merge it with some light version of Christianity and created this mega church out in California. And, um, they talked about uh, the the rise of Willow Creek as well as um, uh, Saddleback Church with Rick yeah. Warren. So it's interesting to see it in that context and to see how it's very demographically driven. Mm-hmm. How how these mega churches tend to um, identify a a market, a, a sort of segment of the population that they intentionally go after, and. It seems like that's certainly the case with Driscoll in terms of uh, really guys your generation, John. I'm a little older, so. Yeah, yeah. His, his like, I've talked to more than a few guys that are my age who, when we were in our early 20s, when this was going, when this was all going down, we really identified with a lot of what Driscoll said. And, and even listening to him in the podcast, there's part of me that just goes, my goodness, I miss that kind of that kind of direct speech uh, toward toward uh, young men and encouraging them to 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 take responsibility and grow. You know, you know, it does feel like that's uh, th- that is a missing piece where where we don't have right now. But um, yeah, I, I was really caught up in it. I mean, I was telling somebody just yesterday. I think my daily devotional life at the time in my early twenties was basically read my Bible in the morning and watch a Driscoll sermon in the evening. Uh, and that, that was part of my daily rhythm. And I'm trying to think, and I'm, I'm sure part of it had to do that I was in seminary and, and I was doing all these things. Uh, but I, I don't know that there's a time that I was growing more uh, spiritually than, than during those years where I was watching a lot of Driscoll sermons and, uh, and, uh, and going to seminary. Um, it was, it was, it was pretty interesting. So at the time, so you kind of transport yourself back into that 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 stage of life. Um, did you have any discomfort with some of the edgier, sharper edges of the way that he would communicate? Um, I I did not. No, the the way he communicated from the stage uh, didn't really bother me. I think it would bother me now, but at the time. Uh, from the stage, the way he communicated didn't bother me. Um, if I had known some of the things that were going on behind the scenes, I, pr- mm-hmm. I would have had a problem. Uh, episode three, they tell this just wild story uh, of this woman who's, uh, who's fired because she committed, quote, heresy um, yes. by, by questioning the leadership. Um, well, and not even, I mean, not, that's Not even quite being too firm. Yeah. I mean, basically, <laughs> she was his executive assistant or something like that. She's having a dinner with uh, elders and their wives at the uh, from the church, and they asked her, you know, what's you know, 
what are you enjoying about uh, what's it like working with with Mark? And she started off by saying the, some positive things, his energy, his vision, all that sort of stuff. And and she makes one comment like, well, you know, he could stand to have uh, a few more friends around him to who are able to go toe to toe with him, like not just sort of yes men, but but basically who could sharpen him and um, and then wasn't it like it was like the next day? Yeah, it was like a day or two later. Yeah. She's called into a meeting with Driscoll and some of the elders and he, and Driscoll accuses her of heresy. Yeah. Yeah. And for the record, that's not heresy, you know, it's not even remotely heresy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I, I remember during that time. So two, two quick stories and they come from the same source, uh, one is about him, but this, this guy I knew who went to Cedarville his freshman year, he was exposed to Driscoll's preaching just, just to illustrate how, how many people identified with him that he heard his preaching. He goes, I need to be a part of that church dropped out of Cedarville and moved to Seattle, Washington to be a part of that church um, and joined the band and, and was serving and was, was mm-hmm. doing all these things. Uh, he told me a story that people in the church um, oh goodness. I hope I can share the story on air. Um, he, uh, he heard some of the men in the church were, weren't loving their wives well. And so he, he pulled everybody into a room, all the men in the church into a room, which I don't even know how you do that. Um, like just a men's meeting. I, anyway, he pulls but when you're Mark a, Driscoll though. I, I mean, that's you how do you do what you it. want. Yeah. You're Mark flipping Driscoll is, is so how you do it. He pulls them all into a room and, and carries up a big bucket of rocks to the front with him. Have I told you this story? No, I've just heard it from other, other, other sources. Have you? Oh, yeah. okay. And, uh, and he, uh, he proceeds to yell at them for, I don't know, 45 minutes. I don't, I don't think he could say anything in under 40 minutes. And, uh, and then tells everybody, uh, I've provided stones for you guys until you can grow a pair of your own, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that, that was sort of the, you know, that, and this guy told me this story laughing, like, oh, haha, Mark, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that was sort of everybody's response at the time was just like, this isn't severe abuse. This is Mark being Mark. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You met him once, didn't you? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> I, I did meet Driscoll once. Um, and it, yeah, I'll, I'll tell the story, but um, I don't know how much of it was generational, but I was never a fan of Driscoll. And maybe, yeah, I, and I think that's part of it. I think some of it is generational. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, go, go ahead. So this would have been at a gospel coalition. Oh, it would have probably been, um, let's see, probably 2000 nine i think okay um it was the one you weren't at this one I no think so. i wasn't at i wasn't at that one no and um i was having a conversation with uh just in the in the hallway sort of in a corner uh with justin taylor uh friend and we were just catching up a little bit and um driscoll walks up because he knows 
Justin Taylor, because of course, Justin Taylor knows everyone within evangelicalism. Well, and just, Justin's at Crossway, and I believe uh, uh, Crossway was publishing a good portion of his books at the time. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, he was he was at Crossway. I don't know how many they had published at that point, but but Justin's just the most well connected person within the within sort of reformed evangelicalism, hmm. and um, so of course they knew each other. So I'm I'm talking with Justin, and so Mark comes up, and um, uh, Justin turns to to Driscoll and 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 says. Um, Hey, Mark, let me introduce you to my friend, Matt Harmon. He's a professor of grace, teaches New Testament, yada, yada, you know. And um, part of what you have to understand to appreciate the story to some degree is Driscoll, despite being thick and well-built, is short. How short is he? I I think he's got to be, he's probably 5'10". Okay, that's my that's, guess. So not okay. like not like terribly short, but um, I'm six two. Justin is probably about that. So so he's a good four to five inches shorter than we are. So he's so he's got a little bit of the short man complex. Just a little bit of that short man complex that feels the need to um, project an aura of I'm bigger than my size indicates kind of thing. Yeah. And so Justin finishes his uh, introduction of me and Mark does one of these where he, where this is not an exaggeration. He looks me up and down. He starts at my face, looks down to my feet, looks back up, looks at me and goes, Hey, and then totally ignores me and starts talking to Justin (laughs) about, you know, he's going to the Cubs game later that afternoon or something like that. So um, that 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 did not give me the the, the warmest impression of, of Driscoll because it very much felt like he looked me over and assessed. Not worth not, my time. You're not worth my yeah. time on to, yeah. on to someone who is kind of thing. So um, but I don't know. I, I have this. You know me well enough to know this, John. I have mm-hmm. an immediate aversion to the big personality. I I am immediately suspicious. Suspicious might be a strong word. I, I am immediately hesitant. Let's put it that way about big personalities. And um, that, you know, sometimes that, that instinct is proven correct. Other times it's not. Yeah. But um knowing he was a big personality, knowing he was a big deal, and then getting that treatment from him only confirmed the, yeah, you're, you're not one of my guys. We're, we're not, we're not, uh, we might be loosely part of the same tribe here, but uh, we, we are not on the same page here. Yeah. I, I think one of the most interesting things about him is he switches tribes. I, I mean, just, just all the time. Um, yeah. You know, because uh, one thing that came out in that that uh, the 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 rise and fall of Marcel podcast is that he was part of the emergent church movement. Yes, um, and was teaching with them, interacting with them, and then had a break with them and joined this reform camp, uh, our, our, a bit more of our camp, mm-hmm. and had a meteoric rise. And now he's 
left that camp and says he's not a part of our camp anymore. You know, he, he yeah. and he never was. I think that's the most interesting part. Yeah. Right. right. So um, for, for listeners who may not know, um, I mean, Mars Hill and Driscoll came just sort of crashing down in, was that 20, 2013, 2014? Yeah. Somewhere yeah, in there. 2013, 2014. And there. the, the podcast hasn't told this part of the story in full yet, but basically Driscoll was uh, accused of uh, abusive behavior, not, not physically, but just, you know, sort of authority, abusing authority and kind of bullying kind of stuff. Um, And uh, the elders of the church were basically uh, going to, have him step away for a while and seek counseling and, and, and that sort of thing. And then he resigned. Mm-hmm. And then within, what was it? A, a year uh, of that, the whole Mars Hill church network basically just collapsed. Now I think there are probably some of those campus sites that are still actual local churches that are just uh, doing their own thing. But it was this spectacular, not not in the good sense, but just this sort of like big spectacular collapse yeah. of this massive church and its satellite campuses. Yeah. And I mean, it was 15 campuses at the end. I think it was 15,000 people each Sunday were coming in to, yeah. to hear uh, God's word. And, and you know, um, I think... I think it's easy to, and I, I've, I've really enjoyed the podcast. They, they're putting a lot of good things that he did in there, but also a lot of the negative. And I, re- I remember my, my cousin came back to the faith living in Seattle, going to that church. And I think she would, you know, she would defend Mark, I think, to this day um, huh. still. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting story. And, and um, everybody oh. was always talking about him. And and to, to, to bring the story into the present, so Driscoll kind of disappeared from the public eye for about, probably about four years or mm-hmm. so. And then was it like two years ago, maybe? Maybe yeah, three two, at the most. Two or three years ago, yeah. He resurfaces and plants a church in Arizona. Is it the Phoenix area, perhaps, I think? I think that sounds right, yeah. And... um and what's interesting is that he's he's been back in the the sort of news uh, for a couple of things. One is what you mentioned that he's sort of publicly come out and said, "I'm not reformed." Uh, basically, anyone who buys into the five points of Calvinism just has daddy issues. And yeah, um, <laughs> there has to be an insult with it too. Like like yeah. it just can't be a declaration. Oh, I'm no longer this. It's right. like totally, I'm no longer this. And if you are this you're, you know, you, you have a daddy issue or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now he's in the news for, uh, I, I think you've heard this, but basically the story is his, apparently there was a, a, a teenage boy from the congregation that he leads, uh, who is interested in, or maybe even kissed Driscoll's teenage daughter. Yeah. And as a result, Driscoll has had his church leadership team put the boy and his family under surveillance. Yeah. I don't think they're allowed in the church building. (laughs) Um, I think they've been uh, 
excommunicated or something, you know, like, like, um, also they have like a, we have a, we have a security team at church, you know, and they, they have cameras and they walk around with an iPad and they're checking those things. Right. Um, but I want to say they have something like a 25 to 50 member security team uh, at this okay, church. But, but let's be clear. Our pastor cannot order the surveillance no. of a person in our congregation. No. One, because that- we don't have the apparatus to do it. But two, like the thought that our pastor, we love Pastor Mark, but can you imagine Pastor That Mark? we know of, Matt. <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll appreciate this as a listener of the pod. I, I can pretty confidently say he's not put any of our families uh, under surveillance at, at, at the church. But yeah, yeah. In any case, um, well, there's so much more. This, this is such a multi-layered uh, kind of story. And um, we would certainly encourage our listeners to, to check out the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. It's excellent. Yeah, but, Mike Cosper is the host, and he does a really mm-hmm. excellent job. Yeah. But, but, John, what are some of your takeaways so far? Like, like, let's step back, big picture. You know, we can have the ha-ha kind of discussion. And, and, but in terms of, like, helping our listeners or even for ourselves thinking about what are some lessons to learn from the whole Mars Hill debacle that, that would be helpful to reflect on? Um, well, I think one of them you've already mentioned that, um, you know, we need, we need to watch out for uh, the big personality that seems really magnetic, you know, that, that, that individual um, without accountability can, can be a, a real danger. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and we all need accountability too. Uh, and I, you know, I think one of the glaring things is he didn't seem to have much accountability. Uh, and I think that's pretty scary. Yeah. Um, how about, how about yourself? Any, any thoughts? Well, I think that, um, you know, we, we told the story earlier of the executive assistant who raised that issue of Mark needs people around him who can challenge him and, and go toe to toe with him. And I think there is, she's onto something there in terms of leaders within the church. If there's, if there's a church leader in that kind of context who only is surrounded by yes men, by people who only just sort of rubber stamp everything the big personality wants to do, yeah. that, that's a disastrous situation waiting to happen. That, that is a train wreck waiting to happen when it comes to uh, the long-term health of the church. I, I also think there's something about quick fame um, and youth uh, yeah. that, that, that seems pretty dangerous. I, I mean, I think he really had a meteoric rise at like 27, 28, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think that's, that's scary, you know? Um, youth and fame often don't go well together. Yeah. And I, and I do think we, we've touched on this at various points in the pod, but um, there is a problem within the larger evangelical movement in terms of our fascination with and attraction to celebrity. Yeah. Oh, that, totally. That we get attached to these sort of big personalities. And sometimes it's fine in terms of, you know, like, I mean, if you want to think of John Piper as a big figure, well, sure, but it's rooted in his substance. It's rooted in his faithfulness, and he never does anything to seek it out, to 
to leverage it. Um, but some of these figures like a Driscoll, it feels like they did everything possible to leverage it. Mm-hmm. And that's just not healthy. It, and it says something very uh, concerning about the larger evangelical movement that we are so drawn to these big celebrity figures rather than, um, you know, finding our ultimate spiritual guidance and direction from our local church pastor who knows us and shepherds us and cares for us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we ready to move on to an athlete? Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, episode 80, uh, which is wild to think about, we're, you know, just a short while from hitting 100. uh, Yeah. Which is, which is crazy. Um, okay. Uh, let me, let me tick off. We, I mean, we have some excellent athletes at 80 cause I think we're starting to get into wide receiver numbers. Um, Finally. Yes. The, the seventies, sixties and seventies were a bit of a drought. Yes. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's begin. Uh, Jerry Rice. Um, that's a big name. <laughs> that is, a, I mean, arguably the greatest wide receiver in the history of the NFL. So, um, yeah, played for the Niners and ended his career with the Raiders, I believe. Yeah, he played. He played with the Raiders for a while, catching passes from. Oh my goodness, who was that? Uh, for the Raiders? Yeah. Was that uh, Rich Gannon? Yeah, Rich Gannon. Um, all right, uh, Chris Carter, a good wide receiver with uh, with Minnesota, right? I think he started with the Eagles and then went on, but but made his fame in in Minnesota, and a legendary Ohio State wide receiver. Ah, um, Steve Largent is uh, a great wide receiver for the Seahawks, I believe. Yes, and I think I don't know if he still is, but at one point he served in Congress, ran for Congress, and won. Really, out of, I think out of Oklahoma. Hmm. So. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, Kellen Winslow, uh, not junior, but Kellen Winslow. Yeah. Tight end for the, uh, San Diego chargers played on those great teams in the eighties with, uh, Dan Fouts. Um, they, they had this really high charged offense, but never could quite get to the super bowl. And I think Winslow might be most famous for there was a playoff game in the eighties where it went to like double overtime against, I think it was the dolphins Hmm. and he caught a bunch of passes, blocked a field goal in overtime that would have won it for the dolphins. So uh, he was arguably one of the best uh, wide or sorry, tight ends in NFL history here. I I remember his son just being a a hothead is what I remember about his son. Yes. Yeah. Play. He, I don't know where he played in the NFL, but I remember he went to went to college at Miami of Florida. So yeah, he uh, I believe played for the Browns. Uh, okay, for, could for be. Yeah, could be. And then our Ohio State uh, athletes here, we've got Ricky Dudley. Do you remember that name? Played yes. played in the NFL as a yes, tight yes, end yes. for yeah, the Raiders. Dudley. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, was a great athlete at Ohio State. Also played basketball for for the Buckeyes of ninety four to ninety five. And then Brian Robisky was a I wide receiver that name. Yeah. from 2006 to 2008 at Ohio State. I think he played for the Dolphins in the NFL, if I remember correctly. I think that's right. I, he, he didn't have a, a, any any sort of noteworthy NFL career, but a solid, hmm. uh, you know, just to make it to the league and play a few years is something. So Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. So, so who you got here, John? Who do you lean towards? I mean, 
I, I think the question is how much will Ohio State uh, of Chris Carter play into this? I, I'm inclined to go Jerry Rice, uh, just the, uh, the the greatest wide receiver of all time. But <laughs> but if 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 you want to go Chris Carter, I, I mean, really any any of these four guys feel just luxurious uh, to to pick right now compared to what we've been picking. Yeah, I I, I think in good conscience we need to go with Jerry Rice. Okay, okay, good call. There you go. All right. Um, one thing we liked, uh, I can go first. Uh, okay. We've already talked about it a little bit, but uh, Pete Alonzo winning the home run derby uh, last night was uh, magical. Um, I love that he is competitive about it and wants to be there and, and just seemed to have a lot of fun uh, winning the, the home run derby. How about yourself? Yeah, so um, we spent a week in Colorado. Um, so my wife and, uh, my younger son and his, uh, and his girlfriend joined us. Um, they were going out to it. They wanted to go out to a wedding in Colorado of some friends of theirs. So we went out and, um, it's been, it's been a couple of years since we've been out to Colorado, but it was nice to see Kate's parents. And, um, yeah, we, uh, we always do a bunch of, you know, kind of outdoor stuff when we're in Colorado, but we actually drove up to the top of Pike's peak, which we hadn't done in many years, which was nice. They've done a, they've redone the entire top of that, put in a brand new visitor center and uh, all that Mm. kind of stuff. So it's, it's uh, and we had a great weather day. There's no guarantee you get a good weather day to, to be able to see, but you can see pretty much everything uh, you wanted to from up there. So it was just, quite beautiful in a long time since I'd uh, been up to the top. So that was our, that was my one thing I liked this week. Awesome. Well, John, we've talked a wide range of sports. We've talked some Drisky business. Mm-hmm. We've talked NFL wide receivers. We've talked home run derby. We've talked uh, traveling across the country to Colorado so uh, are we ready to call Mission Accomplished here? And Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, I mean, I, I think we've covered our various and sundry topics. So uh, I think until next time, the Lord bless you all real good. Later. <laughs>